0: Um well we um this is this is a this is going to be a cool Sunday. Okay, it's going to be different, All right. Just preparing you guys, it's going to be weird, right? Picture yourselves in the mirror this morning, getting ready, tell yourself it's going to be different and that's okay, all right? So it's going to be different and that's okay. So um that's that's what we're going to do right now. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to pray for Pastor Daniel and all the stuff that's going on. It's a it's a big deal. When you get outed as like a home church, it's a big, big deal because, um, you know, we don't have religious liberty or they don't have religious liberty like us. You know, when you get outed and when you get arrested, uh, it gets a lot harder to spread the gospel. They start sending like this is when people say that, you know, like persecution doesn't happen today. They don't know what's going on. You know, uh, when you get outed, they start sending spies into your house to check up on you, to make sure, like, people who say they want to know Jesus are actually trying to send you to jail and, and, and possibly even kill you. So this is a huge deal. So I'm going to pray for Pastor Daniel right here. But please, throughout the week, just be doing this. Um, you know, money uh, is great. It's, it's not going to fix the problem. You know, like, me going over there is great. It's not going to fix the problem. Prayer is what's going to fix the problem and that is all we can do right now and it, it's enough. so I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for Pastor Daniel. Dear Lord, I pray um, for the congregation over there, especially for Pastor Daniel um, who's trying to reach the the Sanche people God. I pray that you will give him a heart like Paul who understands that his job is not over that, that he can do so much more even in this trying time God I pray. That um, our our hearts go out to them, God, and and I pray that they can understand and and have peace in this situation. That, that it, it may seem like a g- huge, giant setback, but that's not that's not true. Um, it's a surprise to us, but it's not a surprise to you. You knew exactly what's what's going on and what's going to happen through this, God. I pray for all these things in your name, Amen. Well, um, switching gears here. Uh, I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. Uh, it It was a great time here. I didn't travel, but if you traveled, I hope you didn't experience what it seemed to be like. Everyone had a terrible time trying to travel on my Facebook account. I was looking, and it was just like, flight canceled, flight delayed 12 hours, 10 hours, 16 hours, and I'm like, Man, it's tough, but it seems like this year was harder, so if you experienced that, uh, I'm sorry, but I hope you got to wherever you're trying to get to and back safely, right? Um, if you were here, I hope you were able to join us, because we had a great time. Um, the Sunday before, we kind of continued our, our, our message series that we've been doing the past month and a half on uh, different Christmas songs, which has been fantastic. Bryce actually had that idea, and and I, I really enjoyed it because we got to hear uh, kind of the backstory, you know, of how it was made, how the song was made, why it was made. And then we got to see the the biblical foundation for those songs, which we don't do usually because it's tradition and why, why have reason when you have tradition, right? You don't need it, you know. <laughs> and then we got to sing it, which was really cool. And um, that Sunday was packed, which was great, right? And then Christmas Eve service was – it was – to the brim of people, you know, and that's a great service. It's it's one of the uh, the top three most attended services of the year. And it, it's exciting, and it causes some really cool conversations, you know. During the service, I'm looking at Scott, and I'm like, what are we going to do next year? <laughs> like, you know, like, if if one more family comes, what do we do? You know, like, do we have more room for seats? Well, maybe, but... <laughs> If there's a cop, maybe he might get mad that we've uh, overpopulated, you know. So we can't do that. Well, do we do an overflow? Well, if we do that, where, how, you know, what does that look like? You know, are they going to feel segregated over there? You know, are we going to do a third service? How, when? Do you do a third service at 6 p.m. when people are hungry? (laughs) I don't know. Do you do one at one o'clock when people are just waking up and getting ready and putting the turkey in? You know, it's 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 crazy. But it's fun. And it's exciting. And, and that's why for a similar but very different situation reason, this Sunday is actually one of my favorite Sundays of the year. It's the awkward Sunday where no one comes to church, right? Like it's, it's, the, it's the Sunday where you have no idea. And, and working in kids ministry is like the hardest. Because honestly, like you see this group, but that means nothing to that building. Right, you might have two kids. We might have twenty. I have no idea, and I'm here and I'm happy. Right, <laughs> like so. But uh, but I am very excited about it because it, it gives me a chance to talk about something that is very near and dear to my heart. That honestly, I think a, a concept that has been put on the back burner for the probably the last decade. I would say it's been slowly on the decline, and that's uh, New Year's resolutions right? Uh, there, there's a reason why New Year's resolutions have been put on the back burner, right? And I don't have to give you that reason. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's, it's a history of failures, right? You, you wrote them down December 30th, something like that, January, something like that, and you woke up January 1st or January 2nd, depending on when, when you wanted to actually start them, and you had a great day, you had a wonderful day and, and you woke up early before anyone else and you read your Bible and, you, and you, you took the dog on a walk and you got home before the kids woke up and you had to do a little bit of work and you got to send the kids off to school and then you went to work and uh, that that um that, coworker that you've had a lot of issues with, you, you, you've had a good conversation with them you know, and you went home, and before you went to work, you told your spouse you love them, and you, and you kissed them, and then you left, and you got home, and before your kids got, you know, you made a healthy snack and a healthy dinner and all this stuff, and then January 2nd happened, and you're sore, and the alarm snooze button gets keep put and pushed and pushed and pushed over, and then February hits, and nothing's changed, and and we've got into a uh, a routine of that for so many years that we've gotten to this place where we've said what's the point you know we we've lived it out so many times that we've actually said what's the point of even making one and and that's not the case right that's not true so we're actually going to we're going to be skipping around a little bit right it's different, but it's okay. We're gonna be skipping out in a little bit, but we're gonna be looking at James chapter four. So, if you want to open up to James chapter four, while you're doing that, uh, the sermon title for today uh, is a fun one. It's it's New Year, same you, right? That's not, that's not the saying. It's the saying is New Year, new you, and and that's a good mentality to have, right? It's a lot. A lot of people say it. It says you know. 2019 is going to be different. It's going to be special. It's going to be unique, and, and I am going to be an entirely different person. I'm gonna I'm gonna respond accordingly. I'm gonna be a great mom, a great dad, a great husband, a great wife, right? And it's going to be entirely new me. Well, uh, although I don't have a problem with it, like if someone said that to me, I wouldn't I wouldn't say no. You're wrong, right? But um, I, I do think from a biblical standpoint, it's it's lacking. It's missing a little bit right? Uh, it, the fundamental level of it is saying that I can't accomplish the tasks that God have, has for me right now currently. I'm not equipped well enough. I, I, me as an, an individual can't do what God wants me to do. So I have to be an entirely new person. And that's not the case, right? Um, if you look at the Bible. Uh, time and time again, we see people who are lacking, who p- people who mess up all the time, but God calls them to something greater, and they respond, either with what they have or with what others have that help them. So, so this idea of New Year, New You is lacking in, in, in that idea. So I, I, it's more like New Year, same you, but the best of you. So um, what I did... Uh, I'm going off the assumption that we all agree that goals are good, right? This isn't the sermon that convinces you that you should make goals because I think we're all adults here and, and we know that we should be progressing in life. But what I did is I looked up the top uh, 10 goals uh, commonly made as, as New Year's resolutions. I categorized them and then I looked at my own goals and said, all right, why did they fail? Why, why was this goal lacking? Why was this goal set up for failure at the very start? Well, in those three categories, I'm going to say the ideas that we're lacking. And, and because it's different, here's point number one. Whoa, scary, right? So point number one on your outlines, and this has to do with your goals with relationships. This is what we are not masters of others, but our relationship goals depend on us. We are not the masters of others, but our relationship goals depend on us. Uh, I looked, I I did something very interesting. I looked at my life over 2018, and I said, all right, what went went well, what went wrong, right? Uh, it's It's a good practice to do, you can do it you should probably do it every week if not every day but but you should look at the previous year and say what went well what went wrong and and i looked at my relationship with Ashley my wife and i looked at the relationship uh, at work with my boss with my coworkers right i work at this place called RBC if you don't know and i looked at uh, all of my other relationships right with my immediate family with my extended family with my coworkers all those things i said what what's the issue here? What's going wrong? Not that anything's like terrible, not that I'm on the verge of failure and everything, but, but we're not perfect, right? So what's going on here? What's going on? And I said, you know what? The lowest common denominator in all these relationships is is that it's all the other person's fault. I, sa- I said, I listen, my relationship with my wife would have been great, but she did this. In and, and 2018, I said, you know what? I'm going to try to be a better husband, but you know what? She did that thing, and it really just took me off course. And, and and I don't know if you've met my boss, but I try to be a good worker, and my boss did this. And it was terrible. And sarcasm, folks. It's okay. I know it's first service, but Right? The lowest common denominator between all of that was me. And I said, just maybe, maybe I'm the problem. Just maybe, maybe I'm the issue. And I I looked towards one of my favorite books, something that we just went over in the uh, high school and junior high ministry during Sunday mornings. We looked at the the book of James, chapter 4, 1 through 4. And it says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? So what's going on? You guys are fighting, right? You're fighting with your spouse. You're fighting with other people. You're fighting with other Christians. That doesn't happen here. But you're fighting with all these people. What causes that? Is it not this, that you that that you haven't lived up to your side of the bargain? Is it not, no, that doesn't say that. Is it not this, that your spouse has an accepted responsibility? Nope. Is it not this, that your boss doesn't understand the hours that you've put into your job? No, it says this, is it not this, that your passions are at war, within you. A hundred percent of the problem is within me. All the war, all the fighting that is going on in my life outside is a simple reflection of what is going on on the inside. So I said, "Well, um, well, if that's the case... My my goal shouldn't be maybe that um, I should be a better husband. Maybe I should re- accept the responsibility that the majority or all of the issues are because of me. And, and what that does to your goals is that adds a little bit. It adds a little bit of harshness, right? But it adds. Accountability, and it and it, and it calls for action. It calls for accountability, and it calls for action. So so your goals are transformed to uh, I want to be a better husband in 2019. Which is a good goal, right? It's a worthy goal. Everyone should want that, right? But it, it, it transforms it and and says that I I want to be a better husband by. It doesn't just happen. You know, um, one, of, one of the best uh, things that happens when you work in high school ministry, I, I don't know, uh, some of us have been out of high school for a while. There's this thing called drama. And I know that drama is not a thing that we deal with, but high schoolers deal with it a lot of time. And And eventually what you get to with drama is that people eventually will say, well, I'm willing to forgive this person if they ask for forgiveness. I, I'm willing to reconcile the relationship if this person takes the first step. And you know what's funny is is, is being the youth pastor. I I see this and I say. Um, Yeah, guess what? I just had a meeting with that person and they're saying the same thing about you. And I'm thinking that neither one of you are ever going to act because you're just waiting on the other person to act. And, And I think all of us would say, well, high school, obviously, they should just be mature and act. But then we make goals that are based, that are fundamentally created under the presumption that the problem is not with us. The problem is with them. When when I think think about times and quarrels in the Bible, um, I think of two um, situations, four people, two situations, right? Uh, Firstly, I think of Cain and Abel, right? Um, The first brothers that we have, right? Adam and Eve, if you don't know the story, Adam and Eve... They sin. They leave the garden. They have kids because the the upside uh, of of dying is life. You got to repopulate. If people aren't dying, you don't need to repopulate. But if you if they are, you got to replace them with some people. So so uh, uh, however that happens, they, they right and then they go and they had babies right and they grew up. And Cain is in charge of the crops. I did think about that for a while. Cain uh, was in charge of the crops and god asked for an offering right and cain the implied is that cain brings whatever he had the extra the excess brings it to god gives them right and abel his brother was being in charge of the livestock brings the best of what he has he brings the fir- there's a, there's a term called first fruits Right? It's, it's the absolute first of what he has. There's no reliance. There's no, oh, well, I already have this stuff, and I'm just going to give God what I, whatever else I have. Right? He brings the first. He's completely dependent now on what God gives him. The best. The fattened calf. We all know fat stuff is better. So, uh, so the fattened calf, the best one he has, and he gives it to God. And God says, wow, Abel, this is good. This offering is good. And, and Cain gets jealous. And just like in, in, in James chapter 4, it says, this is not this, that your passions are war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. The very first example of brothers is also the very first example that we have of Murder. You know, C- Cain brought Abel into a field, and he killed him. He was jealous. I don't know if you have a brother, if you've ever had brothers, but I'm sure Abel gave him lots of reasons to kill him, <laughs> right? This was, they weren't perfect. This isn't the first time they fought. This isn't the first situation that they, they disagreed on. This is the first situation that we have, but obviously they were living in sin. Obviously they were fighting, right? Right? If we continue, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? See, although in word I say I want to be a better husband, although in word I say I want to be a better employee. At the end of the day, if I look at my life, I say, I just want to get promoted. <laughs> I, I just want people to look at me and say, wow, he's a great, hu- wow, like, he ran Roomba today. You better give me a credit for that because I had to press the button twice, right? Like, that's hard. That's tough work. And, and if she gets home and she doesn't give me the credit, I feel lacking. I f- I feel like it, it wasn't worth it. See the the first relationship that I think of was Cain and Abel. The second relationship that I think of was um Saul and David. Y'all know David, right? The reason why short people think they're better than me. Right? It's it's the, it's the guy who went up and he and he he went up to the big tall guy and said I could beat you because I have Jesus. And he picked up a rock, right? And before he got the rock, he 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 tried on this big heavy armor, and he and he's like, "No, I can't do this." So he picked up the rock and he he flung it at, at, at Goliath, and 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 it sunk in Goliath's head, and he falls over, and he and and David runs over, and he picks up this sword. And he chops Goliath's heads off because this is a fun and cute kid story. And he takes the head and he brings it back to his tent. All things that happen, folks, that we teach our kids that this is a fun story. And he brings it back to his tent. And because of this, people are saying, wow, this guy is amazing. He's incredible. Sure, our king is cool, but this guy slayed tens of thousands of people. He is strong. And he is mighty. And Saul, the guy who the the heavy armor belonged to, Saul, the guy who should have faced Goliath days before, Saul, the king who should have led the situation, becomes jealous. And he says, this is my throne. I am king. And he's so wrapped up in David that he hasn't realized that God has left him. He's so wrapped up in the idea that people are paying attention to David that he hasn't realized that God has already called David to take his throne. And instead of just stepping back and saying, "I'm going to be the best me I can. I'm going to I'm going to relieve this 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 duty" David, because that's, that's who should be taking the throne, I'm going to fight, and I'm going to make it ugly and dirty, and it's going to cause strife between me and my kid, which it does, because if you know the story, Jonathan, Saul's son, chooses David over over Saul, because Jonathan knows his dad is wrong, so like I said, this is different, it's scary, it's okay. I want to give you 30 seconds to a minute to write down one goal that shows this idea of you, of us, accepting all the blame. If you have a goal, great. Maybe you need to evolve it. Maybe you need to change it. To say it's not about you being better. It's about saying the only way this is going to be better is if I act. The only way that this is going to change is if I act. So take 30 seconds, and then uh, we'll move on to the next point. Got it? Good. I don't expect you to have a written out goal, but I want to give you some time because if you're not going to do it here, what chance are you going to have to do it anytime else, right? So, the first one we are not masters of others, but our relationship goals depend on us. Number two, we are not the masters of time, but our time oriented goals depend on us. So, these are the goals anything relating to time. This is the this is the goal that falls into here. I, I included in here um, goals of, of weight loss because I, I believe that that essentially is a priority issue that falls under time, right? You you chose to sleep over working out. You you chose to have the convenient fast food o- over making a healthy meal, right? Which is well, this is me, right? Like <laughs> uh, so that all of all time sensitive goals fall into this. And, and if I were to say that the idea of new year, new me falls under any one of these categories, it would be this one. Um, something strange happens this time of year, right? I, we all collectively fall into like some sort of short-term amnesia. We, we say 2019 is going to be different. And wow, 2018 but went by with a It was so cool. I woke up and it was October, and then we had to make a turkey for summer, and then we did this and that and the other thing. It was just 2018 went and 2019 is going to be different. It's going to be new, it's going to be exciting. Now, I'm no astrologist, but I'm I'm no like fortune teller guy or whatever, but I think. In December of 2019, I'm, I'm not positive. I think we're going to be saying 2019 was a flash, and it went by so quickly. And, and I woke up, and it was October, and then we had to make a turkey for some reason. But I th- 2020 is the year, baby. It's the year of Brent. And I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do all these things. It's be fantastic. Why am I thinking that? Because you know what happened in, in, in December of 2017? 2018 is my year, baby. 2017 went by so and 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 to, to 2017 is gonna be my year. 2016 went by a flash, it was so weird. Isn't that weird? Huh? This never happens. 2015 went by We all believe that time is on our side, but it's not. In no way is time on your side. I tried to find a Bible verse where some way we could say that time is on our side. I couldn't. The closest thing I found was saying that Jesus is coming back soon. Because that's good, right? Jesus is coming back great, awesome. That means I'm going to heaven and we're going to be playing football and eating at this big table and having a big meal and doing all the other stuff. And it's going to be fantastic. But guess how that is displayed it's portrayed as a thief in the night. That is scary. That, that you, We are not prepared for it. It's going to come at the least opportune situation. It's going to come when none of us are ready. We are all on vacation and not one of us set the alarm to our house. And they're going to come in when we're not prepared and we thought we had more time to prepare. And, uh, he's coming. And time is not on our side. Uh, James, we're, we're skipping a couple of verses here to go to James 4, 13 through 17. It says, Come now, you who say, t- Today and tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you... Do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And it is you boast in your arrogance. All such is boasting. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, For him, it is sin. So this is what happens to your goals. It either deprioritizes or prioritizes your goals. And why I say that is because I'm going to start off with prioritizes because I I think that's the most common, the most obvious way. If I say in 2019, I want to be a better husband by telling my wife I love her, it accelerates it. It prioritizes it. It says it's not just going to happen. It's going to happen today. It it transforms it and it says, I'm not just going to tell my wife I love her. I'm not going to just kiss her on the forehead before I go to work. I'm going to do it every day before I go to work. I'm not just going to lose five pounds in 2019. I, I have to do it by the end of Jan- i i have to do it now because if if it, i i don't know i don't know what's going to happen and 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 that's what happened to me personally in 2018 um i said i'm going to work out a good goal and that was period that was it right i'm just going to work out uh, eventually in 2018 right and and what happened around uh august i think yeah august is um i I had to go into surgery i I had surgery and i was out for like a month and a half and in that month and a half i wasn't moving at all my my total movement was couch to bathroom to couch (laughs) like and that was it And, and 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 that's all i could do so afterwards I said, wow, like, I've lost all flexibility, I've lost all movement, I've, I've lost all, like, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to phrase it, but just, I, I became lazy and tired, and, and I went on a walk, and I was like, holy cow, <gasps> right? Like, coming on stage was like a workout for me, right? And, and I said, if I only knew at the start, it would have been different. If I only knew that my health could be a factor, if I only knew that my time was numbered, I, I would have changed things. I would have, I, I would have gotten prepared. I, I, would, I would have eaten more healthy. I would have exercised more. I would have done this or that and the other thing. And, and maybe I would have avoided it entirely. Priority acceleration. And and the the flip side of that, the the exciting, I think, the most exciting part of that is deprioritizing things. It takes a goal that says, uh, I want to go to Disneyland before I die. And says, do I need to do that now? No. I want to do this thing. Do I need to do it now? No. And your list consolidates extremely. Because the, the fatal mistake that so many people make, I would say the number one cause why, why New Year's Eve resolutions fail is, is they get all excited and they have this list. And the list is 100 things that they're going to do in 2019. And when there's too many things to do, there's nothing to do. You, you ever wake up and you say, "Man, I got so much to do. I got this giant list." I got to take a nap. Right? right? Like I got to get ready. I I got I got to do I do this this this. this. okay. I'm going to take a power nap and then you wake up and it's two and you're like, "Oh gosh," uh, right? You got so much stuff. You can't focus. And when you deprioritize and say, "This doesn't have to happen. It's okay." You could focus on one, two, three things in the entire year, and you can have success with those one, two, or three things. So, 30 seconds. You can either make up a new goal, or you can change that goal that you already have. Accelerate it. Prioritize it. Deprioritize it. (laughs) I don't need to do this. I need to make a new goal that, that this has to happen now because it, um, I can't wait for someone else to act. I need to act now because at the end of the day, I don't know what's happening at the end of the day. <laughs> so take 30 seconds, work on it. All (coughs) right, so number one, we are not the masters of others, but our relationship goals depend on us. Number two, we are not the masters of time, but our time-oriented goals depend on us. And number three, you ready? We are not the masters of money, but our financial goals depend on us, folks. I'm just old enough to realize that we need to talk about money in church, and I'm young enough and stupid enough to actually do it, right? Money is a gigantic, huge issue. And none of us want to talk about it because we know it's a huge and gigantic issue, right? I I joke about it, but if you were to call me short, I I don't take any offense to it cuz I know it's not true. But if you but if you came up to me and said, "Hey, you're not 7 foot, You're 6'10." I'd be like, "Listen here, pal." Right? Doesn't that sound so much better? If if you'd have no pro- if you'd come up to me and be like, "Hey, like you're, you're kind of small and weak." I'd be like, "Okay, whatever, right?" But if you come up to me and say, "You're out of shape and you need to work out." I'd be like, "Listen, pal. <laughs> you and me got problems. Let's arm wrestle." Right? And exactly for that same reason, if you were to come up to me and say you're not financially stable, I'd be like, listen here, buddy. And that's why so many people, I believe, have an issue with people openly talking about money in churches. It's because all of us have a huge problem with it. Shameless plug, that's why we do financial peace. <laughs> um, so so that that's the that's the issue. James chapter 5, 1 through 6, before I say that, I, I would say that, um, I would say probably a year, two, three years ago, I had a very common uh, Christian worldview of money. Uh, I I grew up, I was absolutely blessed and grateful that I grew up in a Christian household where we certainly did not talk about numbers. We certainly did not talk about how much my parents were getting made, made or anything like that, right? Because that's, that's a personal discussion in my family. Like, we don't openly discuss it for whatever reason. But we went to church every Sunday. And I, I never saw the numbers, I, I never did any of that. But I saw my parents put a check in the thing every Sunday. And because of that simple action, it could have been a dollar I, just because I saw it, I knew when I got my first job at Target after my first paycheck i I shouldn 't use money at all until I got to that sunday and and and, and that Sunday came because ten percent of that is god 's and that and that 's called a tithe and and I had the mentality, and I said, I need." Before I do anything else, I need to give this money to God. The problem with that mentality, and I think, I believe, I also had the common Christian mentality of today, is that 10% is God's. That means 90% is mine. And that's the issue. And we're going to see that in James chapter 5, 1 through 6. It says, come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corrupted, are corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you. How you spend, how you save is evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. This is a happy verse, huh? You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. How you give is evidence against you. How you save, how, how you cheap other people out of money is evidence against you. And the cries of the harvardens have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Now, folks, I went to the class. I think everyone should go to the class. You should pay the hundred-something bucks. You should show up. You should have the fights because Lord knows having having budgeting, meaning <sighs> it causes fights. But that's not bad. We've grown up in a society where fighting is wrong. We've grown up in a society that you need to have peace. That is the only way to have success if you get along. The problem with that is you're not talking. See, I have a very interesting, working in a church, so my wife's an accountant, and I work in a church. Who's doing the accounting of the Baldwin household? Right, Right, like I'm not so well, I kind of have the reverse mindset that a lot of people have today. You know, the generic stories that you know the man goes to work all day, he makes the bigger money, he does the paychecks, he you know all, all he budgets all this stuff. It's kind of reverse. And even though Ashley and I would both say that I, I am the head of the household when it comes to money, for since the beginning, I had no idea where our money was going and the problem with that is, is as Nicole was saying our finances were working against us we, we had a lot of student loans and if, if you want to get sad look up how much college is today times that by two add seminary and a CPA licensing we got debt folks we live in the mindset that money is for us. We live in this mindset that sure, any good Christian would say that 10% is God's and they'd be happy and willing. And, and I'm extremely excited that I go to a church where giving is not an issue. I don't see numbers at all except when I look at the budget and I say, wow, wow. We're given more than any time in the history of RBC. My first, first memory of RBC is me coming, sitting back there somewhere, Ricky coming up on stage, and Scott saying, yeah, we 100% funded Ricky so she could be a missionary in Africa. That is my first memory. That's not a coincidence, folks. And if we continue... We see time and time again about our congregation giving and loving and seeing the bigger picture. And recently, if, if you were part of the bingo night fight, right, <laughs> um, you guys gave more than I could have ever expected. We get to send like if numbers are the same as last year all the scholarships that we had to give out had to give out are now funded all of those kids get to go because of you guys but what i don't want to happen is if you do have a financial goal Is if you do have a need in your life, if you say I want to move to the next step, I want to go to the class, I want to save, I want to get out of debt, I want to save for retirement, I want to do all this stuff. I don't want you to have a goal that is working against you, and that that's why this step will add um, perspective to your goal. That your money is not your money. When you're budgeting, at the end of the day, it's not your budget. That 90% you have, that's still 100% God's. So, um, one last time, take 30 seconds, add perspective to your goal, make a new goal, or add perspective that that shows whatever this is, whatever this goal is, it's entirely God's. There is a beautiful, wonderful word that sums up all this in the Bible, and it's the word steward. It's, It's acknowledging that your money was handed down to you by someone else, and more importantly, that someone else is coming home, and when he does it's a great day because if 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 you've if you treated the money like it was his, you get rewarded there, there's a there's a story about the the parable of the talent remember somebody gets ten somebody gets five somebody gets one right the one guy goes buries it the other guy invests, the other two invest it they trade. And and the guy who had 10, he gets 20. And God rewards him. He says, good job. The guy who has 5 has 10, and he rewards him. He says, good job. And and the guy who had 1 said, I don't want to lose this, so I'm going to save it. And yet, in doing so, he loses it all. He says, I'm not going to give you nothing. I'm taking it away, and I'm giving it to the guy who had 10. Because at the end of the day, folks, saving is good. At the end of the day, having a comfortable retirement is is great. It's, it's, It's good. Saving for your kids' college is a must today. Setting your kids up for success rather than failure is a must. But if you're not giving, what's the point? Take 30 seconds, take 45 seconds, and we'll wrap it up. Okay, that's it. (laughs) You want these goals to succeed percentage-wise? Have the best option, have the best chances of these succeeding? Tell somebody. The mere action of you telling someone boosts your chances of success by 25%. And that's just telling someone. If you tell a spouse, someone really close to you, that jumps up exponentially. We're talking around 60 to 70%. So whatever you wrote down, accept the issue, accept the problem, and share it. Um, I, I am willing to be mostly an open book on this stage. I I share the issues that I'm having. I share personal stuff. Because I have the background of privacy. Privacy to a fault. And that's the big area summed up. Is it not? the, The outside has to be beautiful. The yard has to be Spectacular. Who, who cares about what's going on on in the inside? Who cares about all that stuff? As long as the outside world sees how beautiful and well put together it is. And remember, what causes the fights out here? It's the fight in here. So I'm going to pray for us, and the uh, worship team is going to come up. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, God. I thank you for this time of remembrance into 2018, God, and and for the opportunity um, to look forward to what's going on in 2019. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a fantastic year, and and I hope that we all have prepared our hearts and our minds for what you're going to be doing in the year 2019, God. Pray for this offering. Uh, I pray that if there's anyone here new to us that, that they feel no obligation to give, but acknowledge what we do as a church family, God for all these things in your name. Amen.